1: believe today that the scriptures teach us that every one of us were created on purpose for a purpose. The God of the universe created you
0: on purpose for a purpose. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. If
1: you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, and that's where you'll dive into the Scriptures with me Today, Acts chapter 13. I want to remind you of this simple truth. The Christian life was never intended to be about a destination. It was never intended to be looked at as if I'm moving along and I pray a prayer and now I get to go to heaven. No, the, the Christian life is about a continual journey where we're being transformed into Christ's likeness, it's about advancing for God and advancing with God. So my question for you today is simple. Are you advancing? Too often, I don't think that's the case. Last few weeks, I've spent a little bit of time on airplanes and in airplanes, you're headed toward a destination, but occasionally and it's very frustrating, but occasionally the pilot will come on before you land. You know the time has passed. You should be at your point of arrival, but the pilot comes on and says, uh, sorry, folks, we're in a holding pattern. We've not been given permission to land. And, and so some of you, you're journeying through life, but spiritually, you're kind of in a holding pattern. You've not advanced And you're missing out on what God's intent was. And we know that because in the book of Acts, the story of the church is told, and from the beginning of the story, we see God's purpose. It's described in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You might remember this. We call this the Great Commission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that passage, not given simply to Billy Graham or to select preachers or to certain churches but to every Christ follower that passage says that God's intent God's purpose is that you live your life as a witness empowered by his spirit and that's what began to happen in the book of Acts and it's described in the first few chapters Jesus went up the Holy Spirit came down the apostles went out and Lost came in. The the church was born. And we see the church described beautifully at the end of Acts chapter two, Peter has preached a message. He just tells the story of Jesus. And the Bible says that as Jesus promised, he drew men and women, boys and girls to himself. Thousands were cut to the heart is the way it describes it. And the church was born. And listen to how it describes the church at the end of chapter two. It says they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved advancing for God, advancing with God. That's the church, but by Acts chapter five, we begin to see that it's not all easy. There are challenges, even when you're trying to do it God's way. The first challenges came from within. We hear the story of two people, Ananias and Sapphira. They were active in the church. But according to scripture, they were hypocritical. They were lying to God and to others, and God punished them. Then in the next chapter, we see that more division arose in the church. This time, it was among widow ladies, discontent with how they were being served. And so God orchestrated the appointment of deacons to serve the church, to help provide unity to the body of Christ. And then in Acts chapter seven, we see the challenges coming from without because one of those deacons, a man named Stephen becomes the first martyr of the church. He has killed, he loses his life. And yet in the midst of this, the church doesn't lose its purpose. In Acts chapter five and verse 42, it says again, every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I want to remind you, before we go any further, a lot of us have been a part of this church for some time or you've been a part of other churches. They may all look differently, but the purpose is the the same. It's it's preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime it becomes about anything other than that, we have gotten off track. We're in a holding pattern. We're not advancing the gospel of Jesus. So in chapter 9, the book of Acts experiences a game changer. A guy named Saul meets Jesus. We know him as Paul. He becomes the greatest missionary apart from Jesus who's ever lived. And he takes this message of the preaching and teaching of Jesus around the known world. And in fact, in chapter 9 and verse 31, we see what the church is to be today. The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. It was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Every one of us should desire that. We should desire to be a part of a multiplying church, not a church where just occasionally the seats are filled or a a church where on some days people are added, but a church that is multiplying for the glory of God and we experience that when we walk in unity and peace when we walk in an effort to be built up when we walk in the fear of the Lord, and I loved what we learned through our time with life action, that the fear of the Lord is the a, is a dread of missing the power and the presence of God. We should be so, incapt- we should be so captivated by God that we dread missing out on anything that He's got in store. And when you live like that, you advance with God. you advance for God. Today, as we begin this study, continuing in the book of Acts, we're going to talk about advancing with purpose and advancing with joy. How do you advance in such a way that it's clear you're living your life on purpose and and full of joy? I I believe today that the scriptures teach us that every one of us were created on purpose for purpose. Think about that just for a moment. The God of the universe created you on purpose for a purpose just a couple of days ago we visited the center of the world the equator outside of Quito, Ecuador and it's amazing they made me do something that I can't show you because if I showed you you may would think your pastor was drunk but they made me walk or try to walk on the equator line and you hold your hands up and you hold your head up and and you close your eyes and you try to walk in a straight line, but you, you, you can't because the forces from the two sides are pulling at you in opposite directions and you can't even walk a straight line. That's how purposeful God was when he created this planet. Think about how purposeful he was when he created you. In Acts 13, we see the benefit of a person who lived their life on purpose. In verse 36, Paul, in the midst of his message about Jesus, tells the story of David. And this is what he says. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. Oh, that that could be said of me. Oh, that that could be said of you. After they served the purpose of God in their generation. There's a central truth I want you to understand today. You will never fulfill God's purpose for your life if you don't make a decision to live your life on purpose. It's like anything else in your life. We don't just roll with the punches. We don't just live and and say, whichever way the wind blows, that's how I'll go. No, we have to make a decision if we want the benefit of good decisions. If I want my finances to be in order, I make a decision at some point to do the things necessary to make that a reality in my life. If I want my relational life uh, to be healthy, I've made a decision at some point in my life to, to... build healthy relationships. If I want spiritual growth to happen in my life, it doesn't just happen by accident or by sitting in a church pew. I've developed spiritual disciplines and and healthy habits. I I have to make a choice. I I have to choose. I have to be purposeful if I want to live according to God's purpose. What was David's purpose? Well, He tells us in verse 22, when they had removed him, he raised up David. When they had removed Saul, God raised up David to be their King of whom he testified. The Holy Spirit of God said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. And that's, I believe our purpose. Our purpose is not to be perfect because in David, we certainly did not see a perfect man. If you're familiar with the stories in the Bible of David, he committed adultery, he committed murder, He let down an entire nation. And yet, even after his death in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit of God describes him as a man after God's own heart. Our purpose, to know God intimately, to be after his heart and to live according to his will, to make him known in this generation. I've thought a lot about purpose in these last couple of weeks, I thought about that, as I sat by my dad, non-responsive, not knowing if he would make it through the night each day in the hospital, I would take his hand, and I'd, usually, but just he and I in the room, and I' would lean over his bed and I may say something like this, "Hey, daddy, I love you. I want you to know you're my hero. You're my mentor." And you're my first and really my only pastor. Um, you're a great husband. You're an awesome daddy. Dad, do you realize how many pastors you've invested in? You know, how many men are in ministry because of you? Dad, do you know how many lives are changed forever because you faithfully preach God's word for over 50 years? I believe you heard me. And it made me think about how I want to be remembered. It made me think about am I I living my life purposefully? This week we were in Ecuador, and, and really for the last 30 years or so, I can't hear about the country of Ecuador without thinking about a man named Jim Elliott. You may know that name. He was a young missionary along with four other young missionaries young husbands, young fathers who set up about to reach the Harani Indians in the jungles of Ecuador. On January 8th in 1956, the Alka Indians of the Haranis, the very people he was trying to reach with the good news, the positive message of Jesus Christ, they they took his life They killed him. And and so you think, all right, was this guy living on purpose? Was that a part of God's purpose? Well, all I know is now, all these years later, more than 50 years later, just listen to some of the ways that Jim Elliott is remembered in his own words. These are some of his quotes. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love this one. I I try to live by this. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt in every situation you believe to be the will of God. Or how about this one? Wow. When it comes to the time to die, make sure all you have to do is die. Make sure there's no unfinished business in your life. Or maybe this. God always gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. Jim Elliot. You would think after seeing five missionaries killed trying to reach these people, that that tribe would remain unreached. <laughs> But that's not the case because Jim Elliott's young widow, Elizabeth Elliot, as well as a sister of one of the men who was killed, the pilot, that flew them into the jungle, a man named Nick Saint, his sister named Rachel, went back into that village and began to demonstrate the love of Jesus and explain that those men had been there not to hurt but to help those Indians and many of them came to Christ. Today, it's still a dangerous part of the world, but this week I got to meet this young man who came about five hours in a canoe through the jungle to be a part of our conference. And he's pastoring these Harani Indians today because one man lived on purpose 60 years ago. Are you living on purpose? Are you advancing? How do you discover God's purpose for your life? Well, I think according to scripture, that's pretty simple actually. You you look for God at work and you listen for God's voice. And that's what we see in the book of Acts as the kingdom of God advances through people, not unlike you and me. These were not saints. These were sinners who had come in contact with the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus. And as a result, they changed their communities. They rocked their worlds. And we see that beginning to take place in the middle of this book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, look at verse 4. It says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. It's describing Paul and Barnabas. And we looked at this passage a number of weeks ago, but what it's describing is how the move of God continued. in this room, Rudy preached on that. And he talked about the wave and how God continues to allow the wave to rise through you because the gospel came to you on the way to someone else. that was the move of God at work. And and so Paul and Barnabas, who had followed Christ, now they've sensed God sending them out. How do you do that? Well, you begin to understand that God is at work all around you. You just notice his presence and you join him in his work the old principle we were taught in Henry Blackaby's experience in God. Look for where God's at work and just get in on it. Get involved. Join him in his work. Are you doing that in your life? In your neighborhood, in your office, in your classroom? Are you looking where God may be at work and, and join him in his work? He's at work at all around us. But even when God's at work, we face challenges. We face those times in our faith that seem difficult. Where we feel like we're we're not going to be able to advance anymore. It's like a gut punch. We were doing good and we were walking along in our faith and then all of a sudden something happened. Maybe it was that call from the doctor or maybe it was that call from the boss saying, you no longer have a job or or maybe it's when you opened your bank account and realized, what? What happened? Or, or, or maybe it's when you had this friction in a marriage or this other relationship challenge. And all of a sudden, this faith, which in the moment had seemed real and vital and growing, all of a sudden begins to feel dead, dark, difficult. Is that just me? Has anybody else experienced those times in your Christian journey? It's a roller coaster. It's you have the mountaintops, and then boy, wow, there are those valley moments. And that's what happened here instantly. <laughs> Did you hear that? Instantly, as the apostle Paul begins this very first missionary journey. Look at verse 6. So when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos. They came upon a certain magician, a a Jewish false prophet named Bart Jesus. Now they were in this island called Paphos and they come across this false prophet. So we know it's trouble, but it shouldn't be surprising because Paphos was an island of trouble. In fact, historically, we're taught that women who grew up on this island at some point in their life would serve time as a temple prostitute. That was a requirement of every woman on this island. What does that mean? They would literally stand outside of this false God's temple and they would sell their bodies. And the proceeds from that would not go in their pockets but would go in the coffers of this false religion. Every woman, that's pathos. That's where God sends Paul and Barnabas first. And so they come in contact with this false prophet and notice what takes place. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elmas, that's the magician for that's the meaning of his name. He opposed them. Seeking to turn the pro away from the faith. Don't raise your hand. But I wonder how many of you have been seeking to do the things you felt like God was calling to do. You were seeking to live on purpose, but you faced opposition. Whether it was literally in the form of another person or whether you felt like you were just facing spiritual battles. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. In other words, he didn't back down. He didn't turn away. He didn't fear him. And he said, you son of the devil. That's pretty direct. Be careful how you use that, but you might want to put that in your gun. You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. He went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Hey, I want to tell you something. The overarching principle today, make a decision. Live your life on purpose. God created you for purpose. So decide today to start living on purpose. But know this, you can expect challenges along the way. So you've got to learn to shake off the dust and go on with God. If you don't live on purpose, you miss out on some of the God moments of life. But when you live on purpose, God's plans are fulfilled. And that's what Paul was trying to do as he began this missionary journey in Acts 13. Is just demonstrate the fulfillment of God's plans. And he preached a message. And, and I'm not going to read it to you today. I want to highlight it just give you the truths from it. But he preached a message that, that really... Is what we preach anytime we share the good news of Jesus. It's what I preach to Daisy. Here it is God wants your story to be a part of His story. That's His purpose. He he doesn't want you to look at the things in Scripture as if they're isolated and unrelated to you. He wants your story to be a part of His story. That's why we have His
0: story. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.